0: This is Being Catholic with Bob Johnston on Catholic Spirit Radio. Hi, this is Bob Johnston, and you're listening to Being Catholic right here on Catholic Spirit Radio, 89.5 FM and 92.5 FM in good old McLean County in Bloomington Normal, 88.3 in Pontiac, 97.1 in Lincoln, 89.1 in DeKalb Sycamore, 89.3 in Morris Joliet, 88.9 in Rockford area and that covers uh, Marengo and uh, also covers Harvard and uh, some of the towns up in that area and we're so we're covering much of central and northern Illinois and we're growing thanks to you. Uh, we're going to have a great show for you today. We were gone last week and it's good to be back. Remember always that we are brought to you by you and any donations that you can make are always appreciated. Of course, we just finished our latest uh carathon if you want to call it that or what is it that uh, you were calling it john I fall I fundraiser. the fall fundraiser and uh we were just a little bit short of our goal and we did uh fairly well but we certainly could use a little bit more so if you can make a donation you weren't able to get on and make a donation during our fundraiser last week that was thursday in uh, Wednesday and Thursday. And if you were not able to hear us or get on or make a donation, you still can do it. And uh, if you would like to make a donation for that, and I hope you would like to make a donation, uh, you can uh, call us at our, our number 309-807-2427. Uh, of course, you can go online at catholicspiritradio.com. Again, that's catholicspiritradio.com and go online. It'll tell you how to make a donation and you can still make our fundraiser complete. So we would really appreciate that very much. Uh, I'm here uh, with my wife Lynn today, and uh, it is uh, a mad, 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 mad world out there, and also a sad world. Uh, We're very, very sorry to hear about the incident in Maine, where a man who took his own life took all those other lives out there, and there was just a lot of uh, bad news uh, over the, the last few days. Uh, We have the war uh, in Israel going on, the war with Hamas going on. We have protests uh, all over our country, and uh, there's a lot of uh, split in our country. And I would like to talk about some other things sometimes, some things more specifically Catholic. But this incorporates the church, the things that are going on in our society, and uh, our society as well. Uh, It brings politics into the picture, but I don't think the church or Catholicism can avoid that anymore. Uh, These are complex issues, and sometimes they're being treated in very simplistic ways. I do think we have to talk about them, so I'm going to talk about some of that today. Before I start that, I'm going to ask my wife Lynn if there's anything she would like to add or say before we start. So I'll turn it over to you, Lynn.
1: I know we have a lot of not-so-good news in the world today. It's, and, like Bob says it's it's getting worse talk about a mad, mad world that's going over the edge. it seems, but you know, Catholic Radio offers to everyone that listens some relief from that you've got it builds your faith, it is so important, and we certainly do appreciate everything this that those that contributed to our fund drive, fall fund drive this year have done for us we really are grateful but you know there are people out there yet that even if you don't listen often but you could contribute and that would be a part of your missionary or mission you can't do mission in any other way you can't have a ministry in any other way you can participate in that so keep that in mind And I guess, Bob, will talk about the mad, mad world.
0: And I just want to mention again, you certainly hit the nail on the head, uh, Lynn, for the people that uh, don't listen uh, by contributing to our station. It is a great way to uh, evangelize because we're out there seven days a week, 24 hours a day doing evangelization for you. There are a lot of shows on Catholic Spirit Radio and carried on EWTN that are evangelization-type shows. Called a Communion, of course, is uh, one that reaches an awful lot of people and uh, tells them a lot about the Catholic Church. brings a lot of people into the church, uh, that program does, and even if it doesn't, it answers a lot of questions and uh, eases the mind of people who may uh, anti-Catholic or sort of uh, disinterested in Catholicism. Uh, some of our Protestant friends who may have misinformation about Catholicism, a lot of them are straightened out and learn more about what the Catholic Church really stands for. And that is uh, the work of evangelization. And it goes on uh, on our Catholic Spirit radio station, I get again, seven days a week, 24 hours a day. And uh, it wouldn't be here. Uh, EWTN is carried through stations like ourselves and we're reaching more and more people. Uh, We're, as as I start this broadcast, I name all of the places that we're at. So we're north of us. Uh, We're covering much of central Illinois. We're covering north of us. And now we are moving further south. We're trying to move uh, broadcasting further to the south, and we're in the process of doing that. It's all made possible by you. And so if you feel a need to evangelize, any donation you can make to our radio station is put to work doing just exactly that. And you can rest assured that every penny that you, you donate will go to that kind of work because nobody at this station gets paid. Everybody is doing this uh, out of their own conviction. And uh, it's a lot of work and it's a lot of cost and a lot of effort. And you can contribute to that uh, completing your evangelization. So
1: That's true. So... Join us and become a member of our family here, and be act. You can be active in this way, just as a listener by supporting us. And this is your mission for the church.
0: But uh, at any rate, uh, you know our, you can see with this war that's going on in Israel between Israel and Hamas uh, that there is a, a split. In our, our nation, uh, there are people that are—we're seeing a lot of anti-Semitic behavior going on, coming out. That's in our society. We're seeing uh, a lot, an awful lot of protests, and there has been in the last two or three years going on. But a lot of the radicalization of our society has been going on for the last 60 years, since the 1960s. And a lot of it's getting worse, and that's not only in our society— It's in other Western civilization societies in Europe, and uh, we're having this split. Uh, Our church has a split, uh, and we're going to talk a little bit about that today. I'm going to read an article today from Chronicles Magazine. It's called The Future of American Resistance. The way forward for the right is decentralization, peaceful separation through resettlement, and a unified opposition to the totalitarian left. There is a stronger and stronger divide between the, the, the right and left. And when I say right, when I'm talking about the right, when I'm talking about conservatism in the church or in society, I'm talking about reestablishing and I'm talking about those norms that we have had in our American society that are being destroyed, that have been compatible with the dogmas and teachings of the Catholic Church, with the traditional orthodoxy of the Catholic Church. For the most part, for a long time, America, the United States, has been very compatible with the teachings of the, and dogmas of the Catholic Church, from, from the family to uh, marriage to all of the norms of civilization, family living and uh, education and behavior, and morals, all of that has been very compatible with the Catholic Church. So when I, when I say right, when I say conservative, this is what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about a, a particular uh, political uh, stand or, or something like that. I'm talking about the split in our culture that is going on and uh, is becoming so that more and more Americans on one side or the other are opposed culturally to, either, to each other. And there is a cultural tyranny that's being carried on by what we would call the radical left. Uh, and, and it's no longer the same as it was when we simply had a difference in politics uh, from, you know, one party to another. So this is what I'm talking about. And I'm going to read from from that article uh, that's, that's going on. And uh, before I start, anything further you want to say on to that, Lynn?
1: No. Well, you know, things have changed. We have seen it. Of course, we would be considered the ancients (laughs) as far as my grandson is concerned. (laughs) And we have been around for a while, but we have seen this evolution come. And it's, to us, has not been slow in coming. So we all need to be aware of what's going on around us. This is... It's just disgusting.
0: And uh, this this article actually addresses uh, some of the things that are going on, you know, in the Catholic Church and outside of the Catholic Church and against the Catholic Church. It also is addressing some issues that are of very much concern uh, to the Jewish population in our country with a lot of the anti-Semitic behavior that's going on. So it's an important article, and... Uh, it, it, it gives a lot of light on that, and it also gives a means of opposition to some of the radicalization that's going on, and it is going on, and people should be aware of that, and so I'm going to read this article. It's The Future of the American Resistance. It's written by Paul Gottfried, and he is the editor of Chronicles magazine, and uh, it's a very, very good magazine that uh, gives articles uh, a lot on what's going on Uh, in uh, our society ideologically, and uh, it sounds the alarm for the tyrannical direction that uh, we are taking in the West and in our country as well. And uh, it does incorporate a lot of what's going on uh, in Israel, with the war between Israel and Hamas and what's going on with the uh, Jewish population in our country and uh, the threats that they are facing from anti-Semiticism that's going on also. Yes, Uh,
1: I I just don't understand. Israel was attacked, and hundreds of people were slaughtered, and all that went on during that attack on October 7th. Why are they being blamed for what's happening in Gaza?
0: Well, maybe this, you know, what I'm going to read here will address some of that. Uh, and I have another article that we need to read also that I was going to read today, but I think reading this one first would be a better choice, and then maybe next week we'll do the other one. They're both long articles, so it's going to take the rest of the uh, our show time here to finish this one, so I'm going to go ahead and start. It says, This issue of Chronicles features a symposium on the political future of America. Although the solutions to the problems analyzed by the contributors may differ, all their essays focus on a similar crisis facing our country and much of the rest of the Western world. And when I say this issue of Chronicles, I want to stress that this is the October 2023 issue of Chronicles. And the article is by the editor, Paul Gottfried, who is very well written. He goes on, he says, a seemingly irreversible process of centralization is taking place. All effective power has been seized by a conglomerate of woke leftist agencies, including the administrative state, the mass media, and the educational institutions. This process is so far advanced here and in other Western, Western countries that the question that presents itself is how one can address the situation from outside the interconnected power establishment. There is a German term, Gleichschaltung, which means coordination, that may describe quite well what is taking place. This term refers to the ominous state of affairs that our contributors are forced to address. Nazi leaders use this term in a favorable sense to characterize their ideal form of rule. It aimed at bringing all aspects of human life under the ideological command of an all-powerful state. This control was supposed to embrace all social, recreational, and political activities, none of which was allowed to operate independently of the state's authorized ideology. Gleichschaltung started in Germany with Hitler's Enabling Act of March 23, 1933, which gave the German dictator oversight of all permissible political discourse, together with the power to override legislation in the name of the national interest. From there, the Nazi regime went on to bring all realms of civic life under its sway. What is being described, however, is not uniquely German, nor confined to the 1930s and 1940s. It has become characteristic of all contemporary Western societies that claim to be defending, to be defending tolerance and fighting discrimination, but which, is, but which actually stifle civil liberties and try to ban unwanted opinions. Oh, and that's since,
1: certainly going on.
0: And since the media and educational institutions vigorously promote these policies, it is hard to main dissent in such a hostile setting. And it is because you have so much of the strong media and educational system and entertainment system against you. Another trait of this increasingly prevalent political and cultural model is the state's claim to be working overtime to forestall a far right takeover. In other words, he is implying here that this whole idea of a far right takeover is overblown and the state uses this to advance its own cause. An alliance has taken shape in most Western countries between a woke state church. And I have said many, many times that uh, when you abandon the real church or abandon Christianity or abandon religion in general, in, in effect, uh, the state becomes the church. And... Uh, It says, again, between a woke state church and overreaching judges and meddlesome administrators. These forces operate in tandem while mobilizing their populations against an alleged fascist or Christian authoritarian menace. And there it is, uh, an alleged fascist or Christian authoritarian menace. And a lot of times the Catholic Church is now being called, in, in effect, an authoritarian menace. In the United States, our surveillance state is perpetually at war against what we are told are the perils of right-wing extremism and systemic racism. Uh, And and those things really are overblown. They don't exist to the extent that the radicals in this country are claiming, and they do this in order to promote their own cause and advance their own cause. Those who are doing the suppressing and intimidating always cite exceptional circumstances that necessitate a crackdown on so-called bigots. Right now in the U.S., a crusade is going on against those who dare to misgender the androgynous, or sexually modified, an offense which many young adults, after sufficient indoctrination, consider to be criminal. And we're going to have to stop here and take a break, so stay with us. We'll be right back. You've
2: been listening to Being Catholic with Bob Johnston on Catholic Spirit Radio.
3: This is Debbie Giorgiani from EWTN.
2: And John Hall from Catholic Spirit Radio. After a great effort and generosity by our listening audience and Facebook followers, we unfortunately fell a couple thousand short of our goal. So we are extending our fall appeal through Monday.
3: How blessed we are to have these airwaves filled with Catholic Spirit Radio in our community.
2: There's still time to support Catholic Spirit Radio. Make your donation by Monday, October 30th.
3: Go online to donate at catholicspiritradio.com or mail in a donation to the station. Imagine the people who are informed, inspired, and given spiritual direction just by listening. Be part of that. Listen and please participate. Full sheen ahead.
0: Hi, this is Bob Johnston. You're listening to Being Catholic right here on Catholic Spirit Radio. We're back from our break, and we're talking about uh, an article that's in Chronicles magazine written by the editor, Paul Gottfried, The Future of American Resistance, and it's talking about developing a resistance to the radicalism, the the, the tyrannical radicalism uh, that is going on by the leftist forces, you know, by the— extreme liberal forces that are uh, at work in our country and also in Europe and other countries as well. And uh, we're talking here about uh, uh, the media, the big media, the entertainment industry, and the educational system being used to advance these causes and and uh, building up a a fake enemy, a so-called extreme right-wing opposition that is supposedly a threat to the country that really doesn't exist, and uh, building this up and pretending that it does exist in order to advance their causes. And uh, it says, it is also becoming impossible to turn on one's TV without being bombarded by movies and advertisements that look as if they had been prepared by a panel of uh, Black Lives Matter and LGBTV. TV LGBT activists. More and more of what our entertainment providers provide contains stereotypical statements of moral outrage that feature predominantly non-white and even non-binary actors and characters. Even the weather reports on our local network affiliates now come with warnings about climate change offered by a racially diverse cast of meteorologists. What is most striking about this brainwashing is its relentless, pervasive nature. There is no escaping it unless one succeeds in becoming a hermit in some wilderness area that government workers and snoops have not yet discovered. All institutions receiving government funds, starting with the military, impose on captive students and employees required courses on overcoming prejudice those who are being indoctrinated in the state religion, and there it is again, and so that's why it's important to talk about it here because this is a state religion and it's displacing the real religion and especially of Christianity and especially the Catholic Orthodox religion. But at any rate, those who are being indoctrinated in the state religion must listen to ritualistic attacks on white, male, Christian, heterosexual America, while drooling attention is bestowed on state-approved victims and their claims to equity. Since the regime is satisfying demands for compensatory justice, the hatred vented on the American past is intended to make us receptive to the state's accelerating campaign against long-ingrained hostility against the oppressed. And again, they're always inventing a group of oppressed people in order to, again, advance their own particular cause. The mission of our missionary state is also extended to those who do not fully accept or perhaps don't even know about the commitment to equity. National borders, we are told, no longer matter when dealing with such retrograde countries as Hungary, Poland, or Russia. These backwater places have failed to provide LGBT instruction in their public institutions and make morally inadmissible gender distinctions. And again, I think he's referring here to the war on Russia and what's going on in Ukraine. Uh, In other words, anyone who doesn't follow or toe the line of the uh, tyrannical left is denounced. And some of these countries uh, are resistant to the kind of uh, teaching that the left wants to impose on them. Boycotting and denouncing such offenders may not be enough. More actively, subverting them may be necessary to make their benighted subjects part of the so-called free world. Soon after World War II, Hannah Arendt, a German-Jewish refugee from Nazi Germany, wrote Origins of Totalitarianism in 1951, a massive work that at the time of its publication seemed absolutely illuminating. According to Arendt, totalitarian regimes, such as Hitler's Germany and Stalin's Russia, were not backward-looking but ultra-modern. They harnessed technology and modern forms of communication to terrorize and brainwash their populations. It was therefore a mistake to confuse them with traditional authoritarian states, which simply tried to stay in power and which typically depended for support on landowners, the military, and state churches. Authoritarian governments came and went, and as the Israeli historian Amos Perlmutter showed in a book on the subject, became outmoded with the rise of urbanized societies. Totalitarian governments, by contrast, were, according to Arendt, irremovable and became over time more monolithic and resistant to opposition. Moreover, while authoritarians tried to preserve an obsolescent social order, mostly outside the West, the totalitarian regimes represented a grim form of modernity, which found a congenial home in 20th century Europe. Although Arendt's treatment of totalitarianism as an exclusively modern form of tyranny still seems worth studying it should be revised in light of recent history. This is especially true of three assumptions that run through the study. First, Arendt may have generalized from the Nazi example in assuming that totalitarian regimes can never become less oppressive and over time go away. However brutal the Soviet regime may have been under Stalin, it eventually did become weaker and it finally collapsed. The same process might have occurred in Nazi Germany, although, given the frenetic, increasingly genocidal character of that regime, one may be justified in harboring doubts in that case. Second, Arendt assumed, on the basis of her observation, that totalitarian regimes are all physically violent, and once they chose their enemies, work to eliminate them. Terror, according to Arendt, was the modus operandi of totalitarians, and it was hard for her to imagine a totalitarian government that did not apply violence against designated enemies and which did not do so systematically. Third, Arendt believed that totalitarian rulers were mostly after power. They therefore twisted reality to force their subjects to accept what was plainly false or grotesquely exaggerated. Totalitarian leaders engaged in such actions as an exercise in control, and so it didn't matter to them if they knew that their accounts of what was happening were invented. In fact, the more implausible their lies were, the more eager they were to inflict them on their helpless subjects. This view of how totalitarian regimes manipulated reality may not be entirely accurate. At some level, we may assume, the Nazi and Soviet governments believed in their own interpretations of reality. Hitler and his ministers certainly thought they were fighting to subdue an international Jewish Bolshevik enemy, and that the Germans had a moral duty to their fellow Aryans to conquer lesser races. Stalin, moreover, did accept Marxist-Leninist assumptions about history and considered himself in a global struggle against capitalist plutocrats, and we have in this country the idea of being on the so-called right side of history, or being in favor of the Great Reset. Political elites, at some level, absorb their official ideologies, even if they also crave power and cynically deceive their rivals and subjects. It may be a mistake to deny that those who act in the name of modern ideologies whether Nazism, communism, or wokeified liberal democracy, take seriously their own worldviews, while their power may allow them to deal arbitrarily with others. Modern totalitarian rulers accept the belief systems that they enforce as being essentially true. Arendt's conception of totalitarianism is not entirely obsolete she is analyzing a distinct modern form of tyranny which can break down any opposition to its rule. The German term, "Gleichschaltung" applies to this modus operandi. Centralized communications, a vast administrative state, and a population with less and less of a historic cultural identity all contribute to this totalitarian reality. Equally cl- critical for its progress is a designated enemy which is assailed as an absolute evil. And, of course, in this case, it's always the so-called right or the wing or the so-called conservatives who are some kind of existential threat to the whole nation. Arendt was likewise correct in assuming that the total totalitarian danger she was examining was not extraneous to Western societies. However much these societies and their heads of state may want us to believe otherwise. Although Republican TV talking heads and Wall Street Journal editorialists insist that America, the one exceptional nation, is above the danger of self-destructing, none of this may matter in the present situation. We are, in fact, subject to those forces that aren't regarded as favoring totalitarian control and here it may make no difference what our point of departure was for reaching the present hour. We in the United States may be able to point back to a brilliant founding document, and we may be the richest country that ever has existed, but such historical conditions do not mean that totalitarian forces in this country are not stripping us of freedom and dignity or that we are not trying to remake other countries in the image of what American elites have imposed at home. And uh, this might apply especially to what's going on now in Ukraine. Uh, but it applies, of course, to other countries as well. The America boosters also state, as an example of America's superiority, that more and more of the third world wants to settle here. But why shouldn't they? given the welfare benefits that will be lavished on them once they arrive. Conservative pundits also assure us that there is still lots of market competition in America, as if anyone who merely works hard enough can set up his own newspaper or TV station. This argument ignores the scale of the communication industry and the power of the government in alliance with the mainstream media to shut down and punish opposition. Our well-meaning defenders also disregard the fact that the instruments to influence the public and cancel opposition available to the government, the mainstream media, and the educational institutions are far greater than any that their opponents can hope to acquire. In effect, it's like our radio station here. We can reach a good number of people, but imagine, you know, that we, there's no possible way that we could compete with, say, the large TV industry that exists in America uh, or the other large communications industry that is at the disposal of the government whenever they want. And this imbalance exists not only here, but in every Western country that shows similar, similar political patterns. Those who wield power can also shape the public perception of those whom they want to discredit. Recent examples being the characterization by the FBI and Homeland Security agencies of Latin mass Catholics and parents who protest LGBT indoctrination in public schools as domestic terrorists. terrorists. And there it is. And there is a lot of opposition to, the Catholic Church, especially traditional Catholicism or Orthodox Catholicism, and that's very important, and that's one of the reasons why we're discussing this on Catholic Radio. Our rulers also get to reconstruct the past and to transmit their version of history to hundreds of millions of people, as, for example, the New York Times did in its 1619 Project series. And this was the idea that our country was founded on slavery and not founded on the principles uh, that it was really founded on by our founders. Yes, slavery existed, but those were not the principles that the country was founded on. But yet, the the, uh, New York Times and uh, all of the communication industries controlled by uh, the government, the educational system, the entertainment industry, all of those could be used to distort history and show that as being a fact. And as more and more older people, of course, like ourselves, like Lynn and I and others, begin to fade away, a lot of the younger people coming up will not know the real history of this country because it's becoming distorted in our schools and our universities. Uh, It goes on here. This allows uh, the, the powers that be to shape the present and future by telling us what supposedly transpired before the present generation was even born. The new totalitarians do not have to murder their designated enemies to isolate them. They can just bring their ubiquitous power to bear in neutralizing their opposition. According to a recent Pew poll, 70% of Democrats want the government, obviously their government to censor social media. In Germany, The Central Committee of German Catholics, and here's the Catholic Church again. The Central Committee of German Catholics is right now drafting a proposal to exclude members of the so-called right-wing alternative for Deutschland, the AfD party, from communion and confession. Can you imagine that? To exclude people from communion and confession because they are called racist enemies of German democracy. There is no evidence that AFD preaches racism, although it does oppose the woke leftist monopoly of German politics. Uh, for that, uh, they want to actually exclude these people and from uh, communion and uh, confession. And in effect, uh, stop these people from having access to, you know, to, to uh, justification. Uh, the,
1: you this, know that reminds me of World War II. And it,
0: before, and it represents it represents the split in the Catholic Church. I was talking about uh, the, the governing class. It would seem from these examples has not gone far enough in driving the right into the wilderness. It may be apt to compare this ideological zeal to the complaint made by some Nazi fanatics in the nineteen thirties that non Aryans had not been sufficiently removed from German society. It may also be a peculiar characteristic of the new totalitarianism that it depends less on government coercion than did older forms of control. That's because many in the population are even more fanatical in their war against freedom and civilization than the regime they support. And this is another article that I wanted to get at, and I, I was thinking of reading it first. But uh, it contains things that uh, this article that I'm reading now uh, will explain better. And uh, so I'm going to probably read that next week. But the whole point is, is that uh, there are a lot of groups in our population right now that are extremists. And actually, the political parties almost have to follow them. The political parties, that, that uh, especially the Liberal Democratic Party, uh, has to in effect follow these people because it depends on them for their election and uh, they would lose elections without these people and these people are further uh, to the left and more radical than the uh, political organizations themselves and so the political organizations are forced in effect to support them and follow them otherwise they would lose too many votes and this has been going on at least for the last three or four years, as we can see in uh, some of our larger cities with all of the protests. And now, now those protests are starting up with the Israeli war uh, in even a greater fashion, all of these pro-Palestinian protests. They're going on all over Western civilization here and, and, and abroad. Another aspect of the new totalitarianism is its coexistence with the breakdown of civil society and public order. And we're going to have to stop here and take a break, so stay with us. We'll be right back.
2: You've been listening to Being Catholic with Bob Johnson on Catholic Spirit Radio. This
3: is Debbie Giorgiani from EWTN.
2: And John Hall from Catholic Spirit Radio. After a great effort and generosity by our listening audience and Facebook followers, we unfortunately fell a couple thousand short of our goal. So we are extending our fall appeal through Monday.
3: How blessed we are to have these airwaves filled with Catholic Spirit Radio in our community.
2: There's still time to support Catholic Spirit Radio. Make your donation by Monday, October 30th.
3: Go online to donate at catholicspiritradio.com or mail in a donation to the station. Imagine the people who are informed, inspired, and given spiritual direction just by listening. Be part of that. Listen and please participate. Full sheen ahead.
0: Hi, this is Bob Johnston. You're listening to Being Catholic right here on Catholic Spirit Radio. We're back from our break. We're talking about uh, the, the new totalitarianism, and we're talking about developing a uh, American resistance to this that's going on in our country. We're seeing evidence of it more now than ever before, and uh, all of the protests that are going on all over the United States and much of the rest of the Western world, especially. Uh, over the war uh, in Israel, and we can see the the split in our society lining up on each side, and we're beginning to see uh, all of the uh, anti-Semitism that exists uh, and uh, all of the aggression toward Jews that actually exists among the left, and I've known this for a long time, and yet, of course, uh, many Jewish people have been a part of the liberal regime and that liberal regime is turning on them, which I've always suspected that it was going to do. Uh, another aspect of the new totalitarian is its coexistence with the breakdown of civil society and public order. Whereas the older totalitarians work to maintain at least the appearance of outward order, for example, by keeping streets clean and free of marauding vagrants, the new totalitarians specialize in creating turmoil. The greater disorder and the more rampant the crime wave, the more opportunity there is to justify measures to increase their control. Always, you know, in the name of, uh, of uh, stopping all of this, but actually by promoting it is how they advance their cause. What the late Chronicles columnist Sam Francis characterized as anarcho-tyranny is not an accidental feature of this new regime. It is a deliberately planned method for allowing the ruling class to accumulate power. The greater the confusion zone, the greater opportunity for those in charge to expand their sway over a confused, warring, diverse human mass. And there is that word diversity again, and diverse human mass. Actually in a democracy, diversity is not what you want. And we all have on our coins, the slogan, or the saying, E pluribus unum, which means, you know, out of many, one. And what we have today among the left is trying to make many out of one instead of instead of one out of many. And uh, that doesn't bode good for a democracy at all. We need a unity and a community in our country to have a well-working democracy, not people of all types of diversity who are mobilized against each other. And that's exactly what the left is doing. This assault on family and community also helps reconstruct civil society in accordance with the needs of the ruling class. The Nazi government, according to Arendt, benefited from disunity by establishing clashing bureaucracies that laid claims to the same areas of responsibility. In comparison to what our present totalitarians are capable of doing, however, these interwar totalitarian strategies have a definitely archaic look in other words what we what what the totalitarians of today are able to do compared to what the totalitarians of yesterday are able to do makes the totalitarians of yesterday look weak and backward compared to what we have today an effective resistance to this march toward totalitarianism may be arising in the United States which is the world's dominant political and economic power Unlike most other Western countries, there is a sizable resistance force here, perhaps as high as 40 to 50 percent. This growing opposition would be better mobilized with a less compromised conservative establishment, one that expended less energy censoring the right and trying to build bridges to the left. There's this constant idea of a lot of people in a conservative movement to simply be a shadow of liberalism. And I've mentioned that before, the shadow that follows liberalism by constantly trying to build a bridge to the left or constantly trying to reach across the aisle. We used to hear that from Senator McCain all of the time. Reach across the aisle. You reach across the aisle and get your hand bitten off. The fact is, is that those kinds of things are not working. They just weaken the right. But even our grievously flawed conservative establishment continues to give a forum to enough principled opponents of the regime to point out its corruption and power grabs. The number of these hard-hitting critics, many of whom come equipped with websites, is far greater than their equivalents in other Western countries. So we have here more of a resistance, especially because of our history and our tradition which, of course, is going to be less and less as the people who understand that tradition get older and older and are removed from the scene. Moreover, the reason that leftist elites inside the government and the media work so hard to combat this resistance is that it actually does exist. We are not dealing here with a largely invented opposition of the kind, for example, that the German anti-fascist state is pretending to combat. There is a liberal, a a real old-fashioned liberal and traditional right in the United States, which is striking back, however limited its media resources. Boycotts of woke capitalist enterprises and mass protests may be just the beginning. And, of course, this struggle could escalate. What the defects of former President Donald Trump, and there are many, The fact that 75 million Americans voted for someone who is so thoroughly hated and vilified by our power elite could not have happened in any other major Western country. The populist right in Canada, Australia, and most of Western Europe does not command the percentages of support that it does in the United States. America's right-wing resistance must become a culturally unified opposition if it hopes to make headway. Such cohesion will be far more helpful for the right than continuing to try to outcompete the left in diversity. And that, that whole idea to me of diversity has always been wrong. In other words, our slogan, our, you know, our, our, uh, on our coins is, is correct. It should be, uh, e pluribus unum, you know, out of uh, many, one, not out of one, many. The totalitarian left has gained power by declaring war on community, normal families, and historic identities. And this is what I'm talking about Mm -hmm. when I'm talking about the traditional, you know, right or the traditional conservative in uh, American society. It's that conservative movement that would be compatible with the teachings and dogmas of the Catholic Church. At one time, America was highly compatible with all of the teaching and dogma of the Catholic Church and family morals and so forth and it no longer is anymore. Uh, and uh, it goes on here, And taking advantage of the moral anarchy it created, at the left. An effective resistance will require the restoration of everything that the totalitarians have worked to poison and subvert. <clears throat> Without the operation of durable, inherited, social, and religious institutions, this resistance will be nothing more than a temporary episode destined to transform back into the sickly, decrepit liberalism that paved the way for today's totalitarian left. In other words, if we don't have the durable institutions such as the Catholic Church, those religious institutions, Christianity, but more specifically Catholic Christianity, if we don't have solid institutions based on the orthodox doxy, of Catholicism, the dogmas of Catholicism, this resistance won't work. So this is, again, why this article is important from a Catholic point of view. The the Catholic Church is extremely important in uh, maintaining an effort against uh, our country being transformed into a totalitarian state. Two other prerequisites for a comeback of freedom and tradition are controlling borders and immigration and working to decentralize government, and again, a country without borders becomes no country at all. In every wokeified, post-liberal Western government, opening the sluice gates to massive third-world integration, immigration has been a tool for increasing the regime's foot soldiers. And it's incredible to me that there are people uh, on the left who actually believe that our borders have been secured. You know, this, this is utter utter nonsense, but they do. They do believe this. This is how effective the propaganda is uh, in our public institutions, in our schools, in our our, uh, media, and uh, in our entertainment industry. Uh, This policy has allowed elites to expand their client base and electorate at the expense of what remains of an internal opposition. This influx has also created internal turmoil, a situation that we are told requires even further government oversight and social programs. And we have zillions of much of our money is being spent to house, feed, and uh, take care of these immigrants at the expense of Native Americans. Decentralization, as well as tight immigration control, is necessary, at least in the short and middle terms, if America's right-wing opposition It's to survive politically and socially. And again, when we talk about right-wing opposition, we're talking about opposition based on the norms that America used to hold. And those norms are norms that are compatible with the dogmas and teaching of the Catholic Church. And that's what I am talking about here and identify as being conservative, not uh, not some just politically uh, particular program. But none of this can happen if the right-wing opposition must live directly under an unfriendly regime that it cannot hope to replace. The best solution, given the circumstances, is peaceful separation, a solution that can be undertaken in stages even if it cannot be achieved all at once. If Americans committed to opposing the tyrannical left can be induced to settle in common areas— And if they can't control local and regional administrations, then their living situation should be far from hopeless. The regime's opponents will be in an optimal position to respond to unwelcome directives from the central state. They can simply avoid enforcing them. And there is more and more of a movement toward that. And uh, if this practice spreads to enough places, it will be hard for the administrative state to impose its unitary will without, the, without facing multiple challenges. It may also be necessary for the survival of the enclaves of resistance that the decision of those who choose to live under the regime be treated as irreversible, providing their decision has been reached without provable coercion. In other words, if you are living in a blue state area, let's say if you're living in a, conservative area compatible with Catholicism and with the church and people begin moving in from another area and those people are holding uh, values that do not coincide with the the values that the people living in those areas hold, it would be wise in order to keep together and, and to keep an opposition up to keep those people out. In other words, we're seeing more of that. We're seeing people in certain areas uh, being less welcoming to people coming from other areas that hold different uh, values than they do. In other words, if you're living in a conservative area and uh, people are coming in from other areas and bringing their new values with them, that will overturn the conservatism in those areas. People are starting to oppose their coming there, and you can hardly blame them for that. They want to keep their their norms and, and their their opposition to what's going on in their country, and they don't want them to be watered down by people coming in that don't hold those norms. But on the other hand, the article is saying here that if people are coming in because they're trying to escape uh, the what's going on in the country and that they are sharing the same norms for the people living there, then they should be welcomed. So it would be foolish for those who opt for freedom— to share their hard-won autonomy with those who have opted for the opposite side, but who then decide to change their places of residence. Even more suicidal would be to extend full citizenship rights to those who took this step. There is no guarantee that those would-be neighbors would not be carrying with them the views and values of the place they left. One should not confuse these hypothetical asylum seekers with former communists who eventually fled communist rule. Most of those refugees were staunch anti-communists by the time they defected. And there are still some, you know, coming into this country or who came into this country not long ago uh, from uh, communist states, especially, you know, from the former Soviet Union, who come here and are astounded and they're seeing – the same thing that happened in the countries that they came from. And they are becoming alarmed and frightened because they came to this country to get away from that, and they're finding that it's going on here. And so there has to be an opposition, and what the article here is saying is that wherever people can move together and uh, establish norms, especially such as Catholic norms, that's what they should do, and to try to quietly have a peaceful resistance to the, what's going on because the, the the people in power have too much power for most people to oppose in any overt way. It needs to be done in, in, in a more peaceful, a more uh, subtle way, and that way would be simply to come together as people sharing the same values and oppose in those areas where, where you can the kind of, of values and uh, what is being imposed upon us by radical leftists wanting to exercise power and wanting to exercise a tyrannical totalitarianism. Blue state residents who decide to move into red states, by contrast, usually carry their leftist politics with them. There is no reason to think leftists will will behave differently if they move into more conservative regions in the future. Regulating who settles in woke free areas will be necessary to pre- protect these outposts of freedom from infiltration. Therefore, any attempt by the central administration to tamper with this situation, probably by invoking the 14th Amendment, must be doggedly opposed. And you probably will see uh, uh, an attempt to stop states, especially states such as Florida and maybe Texas and other states who want to keep people out who don't share their same values, you're probably going to see the 14th Amendment that is equal protection of law invoked against them. In other words, the left has been using our Constitution and has been using our traditions and our freedoms in an effort actually against the norms that most people in our society would like to exercise. And so our Constitution and some of our freedoms are being used against us, and we have to be aware of that, and we have to be able to work to stop that. If this sounds radical and strange, it is, take a look around you in our country, the fact that uh, there is a totalitarian tyranny that is being imposed upon us, and we have to begin having a resistance to it. We'll get more on this next week and uh, maybe more enlightenment. Uh, maybe a lot to swallow right now. Nevertheless, I hope people do understand this and understand that we have to have a change in the way we think about our country and how we behave, and especially those of us who are Catholic and want to cling to the dogmas and norms that have built Western civilization. So I'm going to have to close here toward the end of the program, so we'll say our prayer. St. Michael the Archangel, defend defend us in battle. battle. Be Be our our protection against against the wickedness wickedness and snares snares of the the devil. devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly humbly pray. pray. And And do thou, prince of of the heavenly host, host, by the power power of God, God, thrust thrust into hell, hell, Satan. Satan, and all, all evil, evil spirits who spirit to to wander through, through the, the world, world for the ruin of the souls. souls. Amen.
2: You've been listening to Being Catholic with Bob Johnston on Catholic Spirit Radio. If you'd like to contact Bob, email bob at catholicspiritradio.com. Again, that's bob at catholicspiritradio.com. Catholic Spirit Radio relies on your support to bring programming like this and EWTN 24 hours a day. Please help keep Catholic Spirit Radio on the air with your generous support. Donate online at Catholic CatholicSpiritRadio.com or send a donation to Catholic Spirit Radio, 108 Boykin's Place, Normal, Illinois 61761. That's Catholic Spirit Radio, 108 Boykin's Place, Normal, Illinois 61761. Catholic Spirit Radio is a 501c3 and all donations are tax deductible. Thank you for your support of Catholic Spirit Radio.